0: Good morning again, and uh, we are going to get to the message now. (laughs) I feel like we've already been on a journey this morning, but it's been a a good one for sure. Um, You know, we're still in this series called uh, Our House, and it's again, it's a series about just who we are as a church, who we're going to be about, uh, where some things are are, are headed, and, and just kind of unpacking a few of those items um, just want to say a big, again, welcome to everyone. I want to say he- hello to everyone online. You know that most people, and even maybe some of you, usually take a look online first before they actually come in uh, to the church. And so we just want to say welcome, and we look forward to seeing you soon. So uh, it'll be good. Um, but today's message uh, is, is part two, and we're going to continue on. And, you know, you can turn uh, in your Bibles here to the, to the book of Matthew And to begin with, I just want to share a a story, It actually, is a true account that happened just prior, actually, to my being born back in 1975. It was not involving me, Uh, but I came across this story. And it happened uh, in the northern part of Mexico uh, in a prison uh, called Saltillo Prison. And there was, I guess, 75 of the convicts that were sentenced there started to, to dig a tunnel to escape this secret tunnel they started working on and you know they would they would uh, accomplish it in the throughout the time the, the day the night whenever they could they would just kind of keep digging away to try to escape this prison and it was about 5 months later on April 18th of 1976 that they finally were able to you know begin tunneling up and they finally broke through the surface uh, to their freedom the only problem was that their calculations were slightly off when they came up and came through the, 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 the whatever surface, if you will, uh, it actually, they came out into the courtroom where many of them had actually been sentenced. And as you can imagine, the, the judges, everybody there was surprised to see all of these familiar faces again. And uh, they went on to, of course, return them, all 75, safely back to their cells. So um, that was good. But I think, you know, something that we can take away from this story is that, you know, we see a tremendous amount of drive and dedication and even a working together, can't we, for, for somebody to accomplish this uh, goal, if you will, this task. Uh, but without a certainty of their, their destination, not understanding exactly which way to go, how far and, and where to come up, things did not go to, according to plan. And again, in this case, it was good that it didn't. But it is important for uh, to understand again where destination lies and where that is. Um, you know, my family and I we've never been to prison, by the way, but um, <laughs> not yet anyway, my wife said. But we uh, living in the Middle East, one of the things over there, one of the things we, Kind of took a liking to our, the shopping malls there. Um, the shopping malls in the Middle East are insane. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of uh, like Dubai and even in where we were in Kuwait. They're they're like because again in in the Middle East it's a lot of sand, a lot of dirt, and there are certain times it's beautiful. You can go out into the desert when it's cooler and it's just beautiful sunsets, sunrises, and you know some neat things. But oftentimes it's either super hot. Or uh, a lot of times there are sandstorms, which are not fun. um, And they can last sometimes for days. And, you know, so there's just a lot of uh, the weather issues oftentimes pushes people indoors. And so they build these extravagant malls. And, you know, I I think I might have shared here before, but the one we would go to a lot called the Avenues Mall. They even built a section that, I mean, it felt like you were outside. They had, like, the brick street with, like, the street post, the lampposts. And the shops, almost like you would see downtown, but imagine that indoors. You know, it's it's, just—it's—it was insane. It was crazy, but it was always great because you could go there. Never had to worry about what the weather was outside. There was always lots to do there. You know, you could eat. You could go to the movies. You could. uh, There was, you know, the trampoline parks. All that stuff was all inside these malls. But one of the funny things is that my boys—they were pretty young at the time—and actually, they're sitting right here this morning. But you know, we would be going and we'd be walking along and they always wanted to walk in front of Leanne and I. And for numerous reasons, that just kind of bothered me because one, they they you know would be walking along and the I think the the traffic system in the mall there isn't the same as ours. I don't know if you've noticed, we kind of follow the same like rules of the road in the mall too, right? You all do that, right? You walk on the right side, and then when you're coming, you walk, right? There it wasn't like that, you know. We drove on the right side of the road too of there, but people just kind of walked forever. And so I kind of like to be out front because I was a little bigger than, you know, my family, and I could kind of, you know, spread it, spread the gap or whatever, make the gap there, and make a way for us. But when the boys were out front, you know, men and stuff would kind of walk right up, almost run into them and things. And so, um, and then also number two though, they didn't really know where they were going. So they were just kind of moseying along, you know, and they're just walking along and like Leanna would want to try to stop and check out something or do something and they would just sort of keep walking. And so it actually kind of became a, a game for me, actually let me call it more of a teaching moment, you know, so sometimes I would grab Leanna's hand and we would just kind of pull back a little bit. Now again, I kept them in sight, I wasn't you know, mean like that, I could still see them. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have four kids, just with probabilities. Like, well, I got four. As long as you got three, you know, you're doing well. But no, I would still keep them in sight. We would keep them in sight. But it was just funny because you'd watch them walk and walk and walk and walk. And they're just walking. And then all of a sudden, they would kind of stop and, like, look back. And we weren't there. They're kind of looking around. And, like, where'd they go? And I would kind of be back at a distance. And then they would finally see us, like, way back. And, you know, I would come up and I would talk to them. And I would just try to explain to them, like, guys, you know, you don't, you don't know where you're going, so it's probably better for you to walk behind us, and you know, you just follow us, and we'll we'll get you to where you're going. And you know, kind of a a teaching moment, if you will, or something to pull out of that is that you know they were they were not taking the time really to understand where we were going, and and they didn't quite recognize also the need to follow somebody that did. And, you know, even if they kind of knew maybe the store we were going to or the the restaurant we were going to, they may not know the path to get there, if you will, you know, for different reasons. Maybe we wanted to stop at a store or whatever. And so, you know, what I want to kind of bring this around to is that, you know, direction is important, isn't it? A direction of somewhere, a direction to go. And a lot of people in life, they spend an extraordinary amount of time and energy to determine direction, right, of where they're going, But unfortunately, oftentimes, a lot of them don't spend a lot of time determining the destination first. For us here, it is imperative for us to understand and know our destination as a church before we determine our direction. It is important to solidify what our goal is if we are going to discover the way to reach that goal. Does that make sense? And so that is kind of what we're going to be sort of drilling down on today. And so if you have your Bibles in Matthew, turn to chapter 22. As we continue, again, this series, Our House, and and kind of talking about uh, a few key points and key key, key things that we're going to dial in on. And today we're going to explore specifically what we're going to call our cause, our cause. And this is something you're going to hear about more. It's going to get unpacked more. It's part of kind of the vision uh, process that we're doing uh, over the next year. Or at least till October. But where should our mission and vision be focused? Where should our mission and vision be focused? In Matthew chapter 22, uh, beginning in verse 34, again, a familiar passage of Scripture. One, you know, that again, you probably know well, that you probably heard many times. But I want to kind of springboard off of that into what I want to unpack for us today. And so beginning in verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, this is talking about Jesus silencing the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, always a lawyer in there, right, John? All right, Uh, a lawyer asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for just these next few moments. I pray that our hearts are open to receive. Again, Lord, not in the sense just to hear something and even to be stirred, but Lord, that it would move us to action and to change. God, I thank you that um, we, again, just get to do our life together as a community. And I thank you, Lord, that you continue to give us the direction we need um, as we move forward. So Lord, just bless this time together. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. So we see there, again, the Pharisees thought they had Jesus pinned. And, you know, it's, it's, they asked this question, Teacher, what, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, rabbis at that time and in this time when, when Jesus was here and walking on the earth, they divided the commandments kind of into two categories. All right, two categories. The light ones and the substantial ones. They recognized them all as the commandments, but there was sort of this, you know, some held more weight, you understand? And I'm sure you, know, you can kind of figure that out and, and understand some of them were more weighty. Um, now, that didn't mean, again, that, that something was so light that it should be neglected, as, as all the commandments were given by God and should be treated as such. But what it did mean is that some commandments received just had more emphasis. For example, in Deuteronomy 5.17 is where we find the commandment, do not murder someone. Weighty or Light. Thank you. <laughs> I would have liked a stronger response. Some of you I'm a little nervous about, but um, yes, it's weighty, right? We do not murder. Uh, it, but it carried a little bit more weight, and I think we would agree, than the one we find in Deuteronomy 14 that prohibited boiling a baby goat in its mother's milk. Okay. Funny story if you are in the King James Version, it talks about boiling a kid in its mother's milk. And when you first read that, hopefully you know that it's a baby goat, and that's what you call a baby goat as a kid. But at first glance, hopefully nobody has misread that because it's just not good. But those two obviously are very different, right, as far as their weightiness. And and so, again, understanding that and seeing that. And so this was sort of what was in the the minds of the the religious leaders here that were trying to, to pin Jesus down. And, again, this approach to sorting the commandments really opened up Kind of a way for speculation, if you will, as to which of the 613 commandments, that's how many there were, 613 commandments were weighty and which ones were not. And so it's kind of up to the, the person sort of how you would maybe filter those. And so you can really start to see the motive behind this question that was being presented to Jesus of, you know, again, which of these is the greatest? It was a setup. And they thought, they were confident that regardless of what he answers, We'll have them, right? Because there's some room there, some wiggle room. Well, you said this one, but what about this one? And so, again, they didn't realize who they were dealing with. And Jesus, of course, does as Jesus always did. And it kind of makes them look foolish because he responds very calmly in verse 37 and 38. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. Now, again, there were not microphones back there, but this probably could arguably be the very first mic drop ever to take place, right? Jesus just kind of dropped that there. and He could literally could have dropped the mic and walked off because there was, there was nothing to be said after that. They had nothing for him. And, you know, this first part of Jesus' response here, it really simplifies everything for us as believers, doesn't it? It simplifies in one sense. Again, it's love God. <laughs> love God. You see, much like, you know, we, we use this illustration, and this is what God, why he sets up so many things on earth, is it's all really symbolic of, of something spiritual, right? So like here on earth, when we talk about marriage, and when, you're, when a husband and wife are married, a, there should be, there's usually a love there, depending on what part of the world, sometimes it's, you know, the arranged marriages, things like that. Love comes later, all that. But there's a love there of some kind. And in, in our culture, there's usually a romantic love. There's this deep love and yearning, you know, to always, you know, be together and a love for one another. But for those of us who have been married a long time, you know, we might say it's kind of like fine wine, right? It, it gets better with age. Like, the love is at a much different place. It's not taking away from anything that was there at the beginning. But once you've gone through a life together... Once you've gone through those valleys together and those, those battles together and those difficulties, even those disagreements together, it creates this depth and this strength of love that just simply wasn't able to be present at the beginning, right? I think many of us enter into marriage with unrealistic kind of expectations of what love is going to be and what it's going to be like. But throughout time and and walking it out the right way, it gets better with time. And and again here, you know, we're talking about loving God. And, And for those of you who are new believers, it's beautiful, it's amazing. And we know there's, we call it what, that honeymoon phase, right? Everybody remember that? And you know, some of us probably can learn something from that. But there is a depth of love as as you walk out your time with the Lord and you build that relationship and you walk out your time together with him, that love deepens and it it grows. and 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 that's, again, has to be present. And when you see, you know, using that marriage illustration, when you see that place where you've kind of neglected the relationship or you've neglected that love and it begins to wane and fade, that's where problems start, right? You have to rekindle that love and you have to keep kind of working at it and growing it. And so that's the same with our walk with God. And if we're seeking to love God with every ounce of our being, then other things will start to fall into place. You see, the reality is, is the second part of what he said, the second you know, commandment he shared, which we're gonna to touch on here in a minute, is you know, we can never hope to love other people the way that God wants us to, especially the unlovable, if we don't first have a love for God, a genuine love, and keep that love. Right? So anyone who loves God wholeheartedly is not gonna come come like short in religious observances. <laughs> you know, the, the mistake is made when we've got, you know, we try to keep these laws, we try to keep these commands, minus the love, that's why we fall short. But if the love is there and we continue to work that relationship and 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 walk out that relationship with the Lord, then that that love and that's a, it's a result of that that walk and that relationship with God. When you and I love the way Jesus says, there's no need for, again, this host of hair-splitting definitions of right and wrong. You're going to want to do right. You're going to want to do the right thing. You may not do it. You're going to make mistakes at times, but your desire is to do right. Correct? And so, again, he, he lays this out first as the greatest command, and then he comes right behind it. In verse 39, he says, The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And again, while the first part of Jesus' response simplifies, if you will, our duty as believers, the second part will truly challenge us with everything within us, won't it? Loving people is hard. (laughs) Some make it harder than others. But that's what we're called to do, right? That's what we're called to do. We're supposed to love others. Wholehearted love for God means, again, coming in some measure to see other people as God sees them, and all people we should see as objects of God's love. And I want you to think right now of that person, hopefully it's nobody sitting next to you, of that person in your mind that is so hard to love. Maybe they're even your enemy. But I want you to think about that God has created them in his image, that God loves them as much as he loves you. And that we're supposed to love them as well. And that's, that's hard, right? It's hard. And it seems here, you know, when Jesus said, again, he says, love your neighbor. He doesn't say love your brother or your sister. He says, love your neighbor. Oftentimes, the, the Jews would try to take this term neighbor as only their fellow Jew. You understand? They would, they would just see it as, okay, I'll love my fellow Jew, but not anyone that's outside of our people. It left open the possibility, again, of extending a, a thorough hatred, if you will, towards what they saw as lesser breeds who, who didn't possess the law. And this was the kind of where they would gotten off course, is they, they didn't love people the way that God had called them to love, only their own. And so what Jesus is trying to drive home here is that, again, one's neighbor extends to everyone. Everybody is our neighbor, you understand? Hopefully, even when we read that, it's not the person that lives next door to you. It's every person you come across is your neighbor. And so Jesus is saying, again, that there must be a love towards one's fellow human being. That person is created in God's image, and so we are called to love them. And I am with you (laughs) that it is hard sometimes. There are still people in in my life, in my world, that I I have to ask God to help me because I'm not there yet. I mean I say I love them but to truly you know love them because of maybe something they've done or something you know again it's it's work it's hard but we can't get there on our own do you understand we can't do it it's impossible you know in 1 John 4:20 it says that if anyone says I love God and hates his brother he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You see, these two are inseparable. And that word for love there, understand, and I've, I've preached on this before a, a while back, but the word love there, it, it means just simply to love less, right? If, 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 you don't, if you don't love somebody, when we see that again, if, or when, I'm sorry, not the word love, the word hate, it means to love less. Because a lot of us will get ourselves off the hook and say, well, I don't hate anyone. But my question today is, do you love them less? And if, if we're honest, <laughs> there are probably people on that list that we, we've got work to do. We need God's help to do it. Again, Jesus is saying that it is only when we truly love that we can obey God's instruction. And that without love, we do not really understand what the commandments mean. In one way or another, all the commandments are expressions of God's love. That's, that's the commandments. God has given the commandments to his people because he loves them. It's like you telling your, your child, don't go play in the street. <laughs> From their perspective, it's like, oh, they just don't want me. My mom and dad don't want me to have any fun. <laughs> it's like, no, I, I don't want a, a, a bus to run you over. <laughs> and so because I love you, I tell you not to do that, right? And it's the same motive. It's the same thing behind what God lays out for us. You see, it does come down to one thing, and that's, that's relationship. You can't have one without the other. It's, it's love God, love people, right? If I love God, then I have to, to love that person that just cut me off in traffic, right? Amen? <laughs> if I love God, I have to love that person at the checkout that's just taking all day to operate that simple machine especially the self-checkouts, right? I stood behind some of you in line. No, I'm just kidding. I have it. <laughs> We're called to love them, right? If, if, we, if I love God, then, then again, that family member that did that thing to me, I, I have to love them. It doesn't mean that, again, we have to have warm embrace. It doesn't mean that we have to walk all, you know, every day. And, you know, it doesn't mean that, but I have to love them in the sense that God loves them. So I love them, meaning I don't harbor hatred towards them. Love God, love people. Luke 6 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you to, or what I tell you? Right? It's the saying versus doing. It's easy to say we love somebody, but do you really love them and only God sees your heart and knows the truth? We have to make sure here that it lines up. You know, many ministries all around are dying. Churches are dying, and they've they've died because I believe they lose sight of the destination. Right? What we're talking about today, you know, without that specific goal in mind. Maybe it was there at the beginning, but it is now faded because they've lost sight that it it starts with loving God. I hope that's starting to make sense or you're, you're understanding what I'm saying. Again, when the destination fades, all that is left is direction, right? So destination is out here. Direction is how we get there. And what started out beautiful in a lot of ministries is loving God is the destination. You know, and our direction is here. Of loving people, if we if we just go to loving people, it will not get us to love God. Does that translate? Right? You can't just because why what does that translate to? It just means like anybody else. You know, there's people in the world that don't have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior who do a pretty good job loving people and helping people. But that will not get them into heaven. (laughs) Right? It will not work. If we're not starting with destination mind, if we don't start at that place of loving God first, then it begins to fade. And I think, you know, we're seeing there's a new trend. It's sort of like death of the mega church, if you will. And it's nothing against, I think there's some good churches, there's some good big churches, large churches that are out there. But the problem is, is they started out with this motive to love God first. They build in all this ministry, right, where they're helping people to to love one another and to reach out. But somewhere, because of the the busyness, right, of their programs, the good good things, but along the way they focus so much on just loving people that the flame of loving God has gone out. And so you're left with just this mechanism running of loving people, but where is God at in it all? Only loving God will get you to the destination of loving people. So what does this all mean? I'm going to kind of wrap it up and put a bow on it here for us. This simple phrase, I think, is what we can take. Destination determines direction, right? Destination determines direction. Until you know where you're trying to get to, you, you don't want to try to figure out the way to get there. And sometimes, even when you figure out the destination, you've got to be reminded of that so that it then will continue to help you dictate what direction you should be going. When you first know where you want to arrive, then you will understand what you need to do to get there. And in doing so, you will not be distracted by other things. You see, that's, I think, where a lot of us, we miss it because we're moving along, we're trying to get here, we have our direction, and good things will come along, all right? Right? Great opportunities, and even for us as a church, there are so many good, good opportunities out there, but we cannot say yes to every single thing. Why? Because, again, we will never reach, we'll lose sight of our, what our destination is. We have to say, okay, this is where we want to be as a church, this is the path on how we're going to get there, and we can't deviate, you know? You notice how there's so many neat things, and most things that, that do well, businesses and things like that, are, are, are sites. Uh, it's, it, they're usually right by the expressway, right? <laughs> so you're driving along and you see that big bright thing right by the expressway, you know, Great America or whatever, and like, wow, I, I got to stop there. <laughs> it's like, but we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to Canada or something. We're not, we don't have time to stop there because it'll, it'll draw you in. For us as a church, again, we're talking about what, what our cause is. Focused mission and vision. And again, it's it's about what we're doing and, and again how we're gonna get there. All must come from this place of loving God with our whole heart. And if you that's such a it's such a, I don't want to say it's not a vague statement, but that's where it starts. And it's it's true, you know. You, we have to love God first. You know, in our vision team, a, a lot of some some people that I've talked to say, "Well, how much time have you spent on you know developing the mission and vision?" So far, we haven't done any. <laughs> and You're surprised, saying like, well, "What do you mean?" You know, and it doesn't mean you know. We had our, our retreat, and actually, small groups are meeting. But what we're doing is is we're we're, we're looking inward first. We're really kind of answering this first question. Do we love God? As we engage, we're we're reading through this book called The Emotionally Healthy Church, and it kind of unpacks a lot of things in us. And we're finding out things because, you know, for some people, I think in the group, it's what, well, I came on to focus on this mission thing, not on me. (laughs) But you are the mission. We are the mission, right? And if our hearts aren't in the right place, if our walk with God is not in the right place, then we'll never achieve what God has called us to. And so that is what we're focusing on right now. Before, yes, that stuff will come as we develop, you know, the mission and the vision and all those things, but it's trying to get all of us to a place where we are locked in on what's most important, and what is that? It is our relationship with the Lord. Where is your relationship today with God? Do you love God to the fullest sense of that statement? That's from from there is where everything else will come. And by this fall, this group, this, this vision team group, again, will boil down what exactly loving God and loving people will look like here at, at LGCC. We'll develop the details of our, our destination, and then we'll establish our direction, or as we'll refer to it, our mission and our vision. Does that sound good? If it's one thing you don't want to rush, it's, it's, it's setting, charting a course, <laughs> Right? Because as many of you know, you can end up in a very different place than you intended if you're not careful and make sure you're going to the place that you want to. So listen, here's here's the thing I really want all of us to leave with today is this, sell out to loving God. I want each of us here, if you attend here, if you're a member here, if if it's your first time here, listen, my prayer and my hope today is that you will truly sell out to loving God. What does this look like? I'll give you a few things. First one is to pray often. Talk to God. (laughs) Imagine if you didn't talk to your spouse. Imagine if you didn't talk to your close friend, you know, almost daily, or daily, hopefully, if it's your spouse. Sorry. You should talk to your spouse daily, just so you know. Talk to God often. Start with praying for others before yourself. That's, that's one that'll start kind of finding out where your heart is at. Are you putting others' needs before your own? Pray for this church. Please, pray for us. Pray for this church. Let me tell you something. The more that we take a step and a step and a step towards, again, truly being healthy, truly being on mission, where it is clear and we're all running together, stride for stride, to the same place, with our hand to the same plow, once we get to that place, you don't think that there's going to be some kind of opposition to us. It's going to come. It'll come from outside, and it can even come from inside if we're not careful. And so we need your prayers. You need to be praying for your church. Pray for me as your pastor Please, regularly. I need it. Leanna will attest to that too. I need it. <laughs> Pastor Santiago is going to need your prayers. Our elders need your prayers. Our staff need your prayers. Our volunteer leaders need your prayers. Pray for us. Pray for the vision team that's, that, again, is, is going to continue to be meeting as we develop this most important kind of the rails we're going to run on. Another thing you need to do is open your Bibles and read them. It goes without saying, or it should, but it, it, we need to do that. Be in the word. Join a life group. Praise God. 77 people? <laughs> I don't know what that percentage is. It's a lot, right? <laughs> 77, that's amazing. That's awesome. And that's how, again, we're going to grow together. We're going to we continue to build our community, and we're going to be on mission. And lastly, and again, this isn't uh, you know exhaustive list. Here's a fun one for you. Ask someone to disciple you. (laughs) Who in your life is, is leading you towards growth? It can't just be me from up here. I'm talking about who are you walking with in life that knows you and that is saying, come on, we need to take this step. You need to let this go. You need to step into this. Somebody needs to be in your life that you can trust to do that. Again, loving God will truly overflow to loving others. Amen. And that's what God is calling us to, and I believe that is what this church, that is my prayer and my hope, is what we truly just eat, breathe, live every moment, is that, you know what? Those people, they love the Lord, and everything they do is an overflow of that relationship. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this message, Lord. I pray, God, again, as you continue to lead this church into uh, the season that's before us, As we continue to try to navigate, Lord, the landscape of the culture and the world around us, Lord God, I pray that you would continue, Lord, to to call us first, Lord, into a deeper relationship, a deeper walk with you. God, that's where it all has to stem from. God, we get ourselves into trouble when we begin to try to do so many things, Lord, and and neglect, Lord, the most important part, which is our, our walk with you, knowing you the one who saved us. And so, God, I thank you that, that you are, are doing that, that you are accomplishing that, Lord, through, through um, again, our services here, through our life groups, through our outreach. And, God, I am just so excited to see what you're doing, Lord, in the body of Christ here at Long Grove. God, I pray that we will continue, Lord, to, to nurture that and protect that as we continue to develop and, and as our, we bring clarity, Lord, to what it is specifically, Lord, you're calling us to do and how that will look to reach others and love others. So, God, we ask, Lord, that you'll continue, Lord, to sustain us, that you will make clear, Lord, the path and the direction, Lord God, so that we ensure that we are reaching the destination that you've called us to. God, I pray, Lord, that we will not be be, be, um, distracted, Lord, by things that, even good things that may come along, even opportunities that will not turn away, Lord, from the, the path that we're on, but that, Lord, we will kind of, we will set our face like Flint, Lord God, and we will stay the course to what you called us to. God, I thank you for this time this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to our hearts. In Jesus' name.